and welcome to a very special episode number 25 of the Lions Podcast. We are all in the same room for the first time Yo. ever. Looking at Eric Ramsey's face, Dustin Galker's face, Adam Candy's face, and a very special guest. I'm Brett Colson. No. <laughs> Jess Wellman joins us for this podcast here from G2E. Guys, let's get going right this morning. We started with a Scott Van Pelt keynote, which led right into a Scott Van Pelt-led panel, which was very interesting. But let's start with the Scott Van Pelt keynote when he was talking a lot about how he feels like we should, as adults, be able to do what we want to do because he feels being adults is part of that is making responsible decisions, and that includes sports betting. Eric, when you were listening to Van Pelt talk, uh, how do you feel like he has a grasp of everything? I mean, this is a big, powerful voice. I mean, this is a guy that created an entire sports center show for him, obviously the marquee name in their broadcasting stable there. Yeah, he. I mean, obviously he knows sports betting as well as anyone on a major network, ESPN, for example. Uh, yeah, has a really good grasp on it. I mean, we heard a lot of comparisons to medical to legalized marijuana in his keynote. A lot of similar uh, prohibition sort of themes in that. And yeah, I mean, let's let adults be adults was sort of the overriding theme of his of his keynote. Uh, we we're gonna do this anyway, so let's let's manage it. Thoughts from you guys on on what you heard from Van Pelt? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what we expected. I mean, obviously the AGA, which is advancing sports betting in the United States, uh, was kind of on board with what he was going to say. So it wasn't a huge surprise to hear him kind of, of echo exactly what we're hearing from the gaming industry, which is people should be able to bet on sports that they want. Uh, where uh, He commonly referred to the fact that there's an offshore market, that it's if you want to bet, you can bet already. Why not tax it, regulate it, do it right? And that was his, uh, I think that was his overarching message today. Dustin, I found interesting that he was aligned in the first place for a media personality like him who, I mean, we know what he thinks, but at the same time, he's under the mouse. He is under the mouse (laughs) for sure. And he's willing to step out there under the AGA umbrella and say, we need to be adults about this. We need to take a common sense approach. We need to understand that people are already betting. And making a legal market is going to create revenue streams for a wide variety of people. And that is something that I found very interesting that he was willing to be the face of that. He's sort of been an unofficial face of that bad beats and winners on his sports center. We get it. But doing it in this setting is a different ballgame. And Jess, he was up there with one of your heroes, one of your new heroes. With Sarah Slade of the AGA. She is the senior vice president of public affairs for the AGA. And they're transitioning CEOs right now. AG Burnett is leaving. They're bringing someone new in. And so she has kind of become the de facto voice of the AGA these days, and her background is sports betting, and she really does know her stuff. Um, That was, you know, with Van Pelt, the thing that did surprise me, kind of echoing what Adam was saying, he didn't just have opinions on sports betting. He had opinions that are in stark contrast to the NFL, who pays the mouse a lot of money. Right, yeah. Um, You know, he had opinions on integrity fees and data rights and those more in line with what we tend to feel about these topics than what the NFL talking. I want to make sure are. I live copy edit you as Jeff Freeman outgoing AGA presidents, not, oh. not AG oh. copy editing in, in real time. <laughs> in real time. Oh, what a fail! In my Too many first names, thing. and that's Too our Eric names. Ramsey moment yeah, for the there week. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> if you uh, want to let Jess know how bad she was at this, it is at Jess Stop Woman it. right on the Twitter. Yeah, at Jess One Woman. L. Yeah, there you go. So just uh, let her know. About all that. One of the other things that he said that I thought was was pretty interesting as he went along, of course, 
the integrity fee, the data rights thing all came up and he was talking about the data rights deal and made a pretty funny, pretty, made a pretty funny question. He's like, listen, what are you going to sell me the ERS? See what the ERA is. Are you going to sell me this? Things like that. And, and he kind of mocked the whole idea of buying data, Dustin. I mean, that to me, uh, you know, again, it's a, it's a powerful voice in an industry where I think stuff like this kind of needs to be mocked a little bit. Yeah. And his voice will cut through. It's like, he's, you know, he's obviously well-read and understands sports betting industry, understands sports, and he's, like, looking at Major League Baseball, NBA, saying, hey, you need to pay us for data, when obviously data is in front of your eyes. Like, there's some data that takes some kind of correlate, creating it and putting it together, but, like, yeah, whether somebody gets a hit or not, that's not official data that you need. You can see whether somebody got a hit, and you can resolve a bet based on that. It's not It's not some magical data unicorn in the sky yeah. like MLB would like you to believe. Well, and then the new data too. He's like, what, you going to put a Fitbit on Tom Brady? Like, what do you do right. with that information? Like, we're not going to set lines on Tom Brady's heart rate on third down. I so. do want to bet on Tom Brady's Fitbit, like, well, how, like, yeah. how much he's running. Uh, how many for, steps did one, Tom Brady take one, during the first Tom Brady's year. not wearing a Fitbit unless he's getting paid to wear a Fitbit. Like, that, <laughs> let's, let's be for sure with that. I mean, like, this guy is like the king of pimping things. So he's certainly not wearing any sort of Fitbit unless he's getting paid to wear that Fitbit. So, I mean, that led into a panel that he moderated. And, of course, that was... One of the maybe the highlights so far for me of this G2E, a little bit of back and forth tension going on between Major League Baseball and the AGA there on stage. And one of the things I guess that did get that finally came out and, and, you know, listen, they've alluded to this along the way, but now it has been set out It's no longer an integrity fee. It is a royalty. They said it is a royalty. It is no longer one percent. Now we want a quarter of a percent. And if you want to know how much that is, you got to increase handle by 7%. It pays for itself, Eric. Yeah, you got to give it to Kenny Gersh. Kenny Gersh was the MLB representative that spoke in that panel, and he was in front of the firing squad with Scott and Sarah there uh, and was not afraid to call it, call it like it was. He called it, like you said, called it a royalty fee right off the bat. Did not pull any punches, which, uh, yeah, I was pretty Adam, impressed you and by I that, turned honestly. to each other and said, like, I mean, listen, all, to, to give credit where credit's due, he held his own pretty well up there. In a, in a pretty rough scenario that he was in. And he knows what he's getting himself into. There's no question when he walks into this setting that Kenny Gersh is aware. One other thing that didn't get as much mention, I put out a quick tweet about it for Legal Sports Report, was him sort of saying in a mafia-esque way that if we get our Integ royalty fee, whatever you want to call it, that maybe we will loosen the reins on advertising for sports betting yeah. companies, like talking about it as a bigger deal and basically holding that out as a carrot. And we, you know, we can put that piece together for ourselves, but hearing it out there implicitly is interesting. And, and the other thing followed by scoffing at the idea that the NFL or the MLB should possibly be regulated by yeah. any government. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, what the, we just the, made a veiled threat. He also dangled <laughs> as well about the about the you know royalty now saying that. Well, you know, and that would give us incentive to kind of get yeah, behind everything. And like, it, you know, and if we don't get our piece, then we won't get behind it. So basically saying like, you're going to give us the quarter percent and then we will get behind everything that's going on here. Totally ignoring the facts of the other gentleman. I, you, you probably know his name who was up there, who was from uh, Nielsen. Yeah, from Nielsen. from Nielsen who knew the analytics and stuff, despite the fact that the expert was sitting up there saying, no, no, we've we've got the data like people watch more games like it, it's it happens like we've we literally got the data on all this well you guys are more you know sports fan savvy than i am i think if you're the mlb in the nfl you're not used to hearing no that often yeah. you know yeah. in most industries if they're like the nfl wants to participate they're like great where what do we need to bring them like where's their writer yeah. but we're throwing down you know like 
Sarah Slade threw down on the MLB today. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and they like well, you know, you know, outside of this conference, MLB, NBA, they go into states and they're saying they think they're obviously they are very important. They think you're going to listen to us because we're the NBA, we're MLB. That's not necessarily the case. You're just you're you're still just telling states give us money for no no particular reason. Now, I think the other the other part of this is like. If MLB gets involved or NBA gets involved directly, and we're seeing that with MGM, the NBA deal, what like how much can that be quantified? MLB's involvement in sports betting is that is that really increased handle seven percent? I don't know how MLB I'm, promoting I'm sports betting creates that much more interest. Is that uh, that's, that's a problem? That for was me. where that was where I was going with this very next thing is how do you even how do you even say that them having an official capacity in any way, shape, or form is is what's increasing handle as opposed to just additional exposure and additional and additional states coming on and different things like that. I mean, how do you, how do you say like, no, 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 it was, it was because of us is the reason I, that you're having more handle going on here. I'm going to go out on a limb that Kemi, Kenny just pulled a number out of the air and this wasn't backed Could up be. by research. It's weird. As, as like, I really enjoyed listening to him actually, but there was still some weird, he, he sort of, he said at one point that gaming, gambling was being forced on the league. Like he still doesn't yeah. quite, I don't think that MLB quite understands the opportunity they have and the landscape of what's going on to feel that this is something that they can't avoid and it's crashing down on them as a, as a peril. And this was the thing, Adam, that, it, it, you know, even after talking about all of the, you know, saying all these different little things, he led off the entire panel by saying, we actually feel baseball is like built for gambling. Yeah. Essentially. He was like, every <laughs> single thing is an individual event and like whatever. And I, how can you, how can you say then that sports betting is, is going to be anything forced upon you? What do you mean? Like yeah, you should be weird. jumping up and down and doing cartwheels. Here's one of the interesting things that came out of the panel for me, Kenny Gersh, the executive vice president for gaming for major league baseball held in play all the way up here. And not two weeks ago in Congress, we had NFL testimony saying no in play. It shouldn't happen. We should only be betting on the outcome, the final outcome of the game. If the leagues can't get on the same page with this, they have zero chance of succeeding in getting it codified in law. Yeah. And when we're talking about him pimping in game here, we're talking about and he even said that it was a, an extreme example. But the location of the pitch, he even said, like, you know, I mean, it's like he took it to that level. Don't tell Al Leiter. Good <laughs> Lord. Al Leiter's going to be proved right. And we're all going to have to quit our jobs. Yeah. I mean, finally, maybe if we do that, we can finally get rid of umpires and just do a, and just do a computerized machine, strike yeah. zone. Yeah. And like just do a digitized strike zone, because that if that's the case, then give them their 25 percent. I would pay them. For, I mean, you're point two five percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. It's not my money. I don't, you know, whatever. Twenty five percent is no no big deal. But I mean, what was what was anything else that came out of this, Dustin? That that really kind of jumped off the page at you? No, I'm, I would. I just want to. I'm curious because we haven't talked yeah. generally about G two E. Like, what everybody's sense of sports betting here? Like, this is the first conference gambling conference in Vegas with sports betting legal. And for me, it was seeing number one, seeing sports betting front and center. We saw people playing prime positions in the conference hall, SB Tech doing retail and online and kiosks in New Jersey and Mississippi and probably a lot of other states and just seeing, you know, everybody was kind of on the same message. People I talked to were pitching sports betting as some, everybody had some kind of variation of sports betting is a, we want it to be an experience, not a transaction, which is very different from what sports betting in the United States, or at least in Nevada has been to date. It's been come place or bets, sit at TV, bet, Obviously, the Nevada model has grown to sportsbooks are a cooler experience. We're sitting in Emerald's uh, Legacy Stadium where you can bet on sports and, and watch and eat and have fun. And so that was, that was my takeaway is people are already kind of gaming industry is kind of on the same page as this is 
what it should be moving forward. We should be creating good experience around sports betting. It's not so much about the bet. It's, but it's more about creating a customer experience and making, making it fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you saw that with, like you mentioned the kiosk. There was other little like gaming stations and things that Eric, you and I got a demonstration of one when we were over at the IGT booth and things like that to where it, I, I know people are worried that that apps are going to keep people out of casinos. I anecdotally, I see it here in Vegas. Not a big thing. Like people, sports books are packed on Sundays for football. Sports books are packed on Saturdays for college football. For any big event that's going on, sports books are packed. So, I mean, it's not really affecting it when it comes to that, at least here in Nevada. And I think a lot of these casinos and a lot of these certainly even these other casino brands and things like that, I think they realize it gets people in the door. And and you know, you hear the casino say all the time, it's a slim margin, more of an amenity. People walk in the door, and if you can get them in the door, then they might drop twenty dollars in the slot machine on the way out. You know what I mean? That's just honestly, what it's all that's about. my takeaway. My top level takeaway is that you know, I mean, sports betting is obviously most of our universe here, and it's a big. It has center stage here at G two E, and yet it's still a very small percentage of the gaming industry. I mean, you walk around that floor, and it's it's casino flooring and chairs and new games and money counters. Like this is still a very small sliver of the gambling industry. I think it's some interesting perspective for me. I'm going to sound like such a fangirl, but, you know, Sarah Slade said um, Mm. something she did say in the panel that I thought was a very smart observation is she's like, listen, this is useful for the gaming industry. Sports betting will not transform us. Mm -hmm. However, sports betting will transform the leagues. Right. So they have much more at stake in this, really, than we do, yet we're the ones taking all the risk. The other thing I've kind of noticed is I've yet to really interact with too many of the European sports betting providers. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like at the panels I was in, a recurring theme was what are we taking from British sports betting and European sports betting and what shouldn't we take? And finding where that line is, I don't think there's a clear cut answer. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of a plug and spoiler here. We talked to several of the European uh, providers and different companies and stuff like that while we were here. So be sure and check out the sites because we will have tons of interviews. We'll have tons of videos. We'll have tons of everything like that. But yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that when you look at what, and, and, and Van Pelt actually touched on this whenever he was talking about things, that it's just ingrained in the culture over there, that it that it's so incredibly normal for, for that. And I think that maybe Europeans, when they come over here and they just think that maybe it's like, let's go ahead and just go level 10 right off the bat. That's not, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. I mean like this, the, the in, in, I had a little back and forth on Twitter because one of the, the other things Van Pelt was talking about that he feels like the whole in game experience certainly is going to be huge here, but it will take some adoption. And anecdotally, I'm, I'm on board with that. I have friends who casually bet who wouldn't touch an in-game wager. They might bet a halftime line, like maybe would bet a halftime line, but they're not sitting there refreshing the app. Like, and because at the end of the day, it is a, it's a mildly intimidating. You don't really know what you're looking for from value situations and propositions and how to get out of a bet. If you're trying to do different things or hedge or middle, unless you're a pretty savvy sports better. And I think that they, they look at it from over there because they've been doing it so long. They understand it. And there's kind of like, what do you, what do you mean? No, this will be not, the adoption will be easy. And like, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think it's going to take a lot of education actually. What's out there. That's turnkey is from overseas, right? And we're trying to create an opportunity here industry wide that goes quickly, that takes advantage of legalization. You have five States that, that, um, that are active. And so that's going to eventually have to be adapted. And those whose platforms are ready to go, but yet at the same time can be adapted to an American market that really we don't know. We have no idea at this point what they're going to take well to and what they're not. And we also, frankly, don't know who the market is. I've been one out there saying 
that the market is way more casual for whether this opportunity really grows than what people understand. So that's going to need to be explained in a simpler way than what most of those British platforms look like right now. But those who can make them not just a flat turnkey product that here's what we can give you and that's it, who can adapt as they go, I think are going to be the more successful you ones. You know, Dustin, he said it, and I, I honestly believe with it. If we're talking about like in-game wagering and stuff like that, I think the, just the in-game yes-no props is is the way to go for the casual sports. But I mean, will this next pitch be a strike? Yes, no, you bet on it. Will this next will this next guy get a hit? Yes, no, you bet on it. Like there's just the easiest stuff like that, not the line sliding with each play and how close you get to the scoring and different things like that. I think just the very simplest basic level stuff is I I think has the highest ceiling. Yeah, I think we had it's encouraging that that conversation is being had. It's apparent that mm-hmm. it's being had from this from this conference is that Europe is not coming over here and saying they are to saying to some extent we know best, listen to us. But they're also saying uh, we don't know the American better exactly what they want. We're trying to learn. We're going to try to provide what they want. And I think that's a big piece of it. Yeah, we just porting the UK or some or the rest of Europe to America is not going to work. And we're not as savvy of a betting market, despite the fact that plenty of people bet on offshore. But it's not a sa- it's not plug and play where people are not ready to just go in and bet, like I said, in play on every yeah. single event or the spreads or the money lines in game. It's not something people are, are trained to do. So it's, it's going to take some, definitely some evolution and, and work by, you know, people who are coming in here and, and working it out. Yeah. Unlike you, you did, you did get yourself an app while you were here in Nevada and you were just pounding the in game. <laughs> I heard away yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you, Dustin is a savvy better after all. <laughs> For like, sure. yeah, I mean, he knows not true at all. what's going on there. <laughs> um, you know, this is the, the global gaming expo. It's more than just sports betting. So obviously we've all walked around and seen the different things. Uh, one of the highlights to me was the competitive uh, for money Pac-Man that you can do. Oh, yeah. uh, there was, if you use your brain, it's like a square, Pac-Man with four different people sitting on there, and then you bet, and then you try to eat. The, like weirdly, battle, like, yeah, you like eat the other Pac-Man. Like, there are ghosts involved, but you eat the other Pac-Man as well, right? I mean... It reminded me, if y'all went to Pizza Hut as a child, there was the tabletop Pac-Man yeah, yeah, with yeah. two joysticks yeah. on either side. It was like a slot machine version of that. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. But you was, had to kill the other Pac-Man. Yeah, though, it was right? like yeah, yeah. it had a hungry hippos vibe. <laughs> it had that's Gamblet, who's one of the skill-based mm-hmm. gambling people, uh, gaming companies out here. I met with them yesterday, and they walked me through a lot of the products. And mm-hmm. Pac-Man's one of many. They have a lot of different angles going. They have games that look a lot like what you'd see on your phone, um, like social games, mm-hmm. like Doodle Jump and whatnot. Yeah. They have games that look like what you'd see on a PlayStation, and they have these kind of bar kind of games as well but eric as you were walking around what was like some of the things that you're like oh all right well same thing i see a lot of skill-based uh casino slot machines Mm -hmm. these days like i know they've been catching on but this is my first time at a conference of this size and to see a big percentage of the machines out there are the sort of the pac-man sort of thing the doodle jump uh, also, apparently, the best massage chairs in the world are out there. There on are. The floor. There, I've, there are. I've heard there about some this. interesting. There were some interesting booths. Like when you get to the perimeter, basically, like when you get to the outskirts, there were some some crazy little things. The pillows. They were they were selling pillows <laughs> at G two E. Like you can buy a pillow here at G two E. Uh, Dustin, what what were some of the things that you saw that were kind of like, oh, that's pretty interesting? Well, I think I think just to anybody who's not been to G two E, it's important to explain like how big this thing is. It's a yeah, it's a you, massive thing. Yeah. Like there are the booth- scientific games booth alone was like a whole mini casino. Yeah. There's like a like, yeah. there's like 
There's booths that have bars. They have DJs like and multi level booths. Yeah, there's like balconies. there's there's booth there's booths for like IGT and SGT that are like bigger than some casinos in Nevada. I'm sure just <laughs> yeah. with with new products, new slot machines. It's it's uh it's kind of overwhelming. Like I've been here enough. If you've never mm-hmm. been here, I'm sure it's a little overwhelming. But I think it's interesting to see the scale. And like Eric said earlier, the sports betting, while kind of front and center this year, is also just it's a minuscule part of what's going on. It's still land-based gaming, amenities, slots. That's where kind of everybody is still focused. Yeah, one of the things that I saw at multiple booths, and I'm sure you guys did as well, the virtual sports that are yeah. going out there. There were some that were certainly better than others. Correct. We won't, uh, we're not going to name any. Some, some were surprisingly well, I, good. I like, will say Inspired, who works with yeah. Scientific Games in the Lotto in Pennsylvania and some other states. Uh, their product is really surprisingly good like yeah state-of-the-art kind of graphics it looks very close to video adam how interested are you in betting on fake horses run (laughs) about as interested as i generally am in betting on real ones (laughs) (laughs) Um, the real key is to bet on the plastic ones the signature yeah yeah. Yeah. no that is entertaining (laughs) don't you dare besmirch the the (laughs) no i like that well they reinvented that game too i I didn't see it here but they have like a newer age table game version of that sort of thing Eric and I were talking earlier about a couple things that that jumped out at us. Everyone's got a kiosk for sports betting, right? Everyone's got their version uh, of a kiosk. The SB Tech one kind of jumped out at me a little bit with some of the inplay and the way that it was designed. Clean, clean interface, yeah. And little things in the offering, like will there be a goal in the next 30 seconds, right? Seems like a simple bet. But the way they've got it designed, there's a little countdown that goes along with it in the bet. You're watching the countdown go. You're watching the value of your bet go up as it goes along. I've bet in play plenty to understand, you know, what the average interface looks like. But I think this is something that we talked about that casual fan. Yeah. And do they understand it? And can, that they can get into. They can understand. Is there going to be a goal in 30 seconds? And they can watch the little counter go down. So I think seeing the operators that have been in this for a while and the way they're adapting what they do to the casual fan is interesting. And I think that the real trend that's obvious here is you've got people who have been doing this forever who are now jumping into the opportunity and you have people that have been in related verticals that are trying to switch it a little bit to get into sports betting. If you've been watching this for a little while, you can kind of tell who's who with that, but just the proliferation is really amazing. And Dustin, a couple of things that we saw, uh, it's still, I think it's still really trying to break through here, but we did see a couple of different, you know, esports betting uh, properties that were out there. Where, where do we stand just as an industry with esports betting? I know this is something you focused on for a while there. Yeah, I mean, we're, it feels like we're still a ways off from that becoming a mainstream U.S. thing. I mean, there's a ton of interest uh, internationally and even, you know, either offshore or other things. People like watching esports. People like to bet on it. The United States, I don't think, is quite ready to fully embrace esports as a, as a betting product. There's a lot. Uh, there's a ton of there. It's a there's a lot of data in esports, which makes it easy to bet on. You can and you can also just watch it in real time. You can watch it on Twitch, fire away in play if you want. But we're just, uh, you know, despite the fact there's lots of esports fans, I don't think operators, uh, casinos, whatever people who are involved in it are quite ready to like go whole hog. Let's do a lot of esports betting. It's, I mean, we'll get there eventually, but we're still, yeah, we're five months after yeah. PASPA. Uh, people are still kind of just let's let's get our minds around the big sports, NFL, NBA. Uh, golf, whatever, and let, let's let's worry about esports a little bit down the and, road. And it is one of the things that if we wanted to, you know, look look at the other side of the coin here. If you wanted to talk the whole integrity of the game thing, certainly that would be one of the ones where 
probably the most easily influenced, you know, other than like very low level tennis and, you know, different things like that. I mean, it's it's not incredibly lucrative except for those that are at the very, very top of everything. And so, you know, I kind of get it. Yeah, right. I get it. We talked. We heard about the NCAA too today. Going back to Scott Van Pelt, talked about whether or not we should be betting on college athletes. There's esports is another thing that falls into that category of a little more risky than some yeah. some major league sports. And there's been and there's been lots of uh, you know match fix can go on in lower level esports. Sure, it's, like that's super easy to do. Uh, like with the amount of data and with you know the integrity, there's actually an integrity coalition just for esports and really as it relates to betting. Yeah, but those that's really susceptible because even unless, unless you're a pro pro with a sponsorship and competing at the highest levels of the sport, you're not making that much money. The guys in what NBA 2K make yeah, not that much no, money. Almost yeah. nothing. If you want yeah. to bet, if like people are providing markets on NBA 2K, it would be pretty easy to you know yes. fix that as long as the, if the limits were high enough to make it warranted mm-hmm. to fix it. So yeah, there's a lot to be worked out there. I'm not sure. I just don't think we're not going to see like in the next year or two esports betting kind of. Yeah, thing I, I, I'm all for them. Certainly not even just crawling before they walk, but like. Like literally slothing before yeah. they even crawl. Is that the first reference to a sloth in this podcast? Yeah, I wanted to rook it in. It's just, it's just, I honestly think esports had its pinnacle in the casino world before the Supreme Court ruling happened because it was one of those things like skill based slots that, you know, how do we get the M words into mm. casinos? How do we get millennials into casinos? And you're just throwing whatever at a wall trying to figure this yeah. out. And these are the ideas that they came up with. And now we have just opened the door for something that categorically appeals to millennials in a way that, as the Nielsen person was pointing out today, nothing else does anymore. Right. So I just think it's, you know, it might be that esports moment has passed and it'll become a very, very niche thing in the future. But I mean, this time last year. I feel like all I heard about was esports and casinos. Do you know what does appeal to millennials? I saw Drew Carey. Yeah. Plinko! Plinko. Plinko. <laughs> and everybody was around that. Of I mean, apparently, if you can just get Drew Carey to come and do Plinko at your casino, you'll get all the millennials in your casino. So, a je- a je- free advice, by the way. Can, I mean, it's a Plinko slot machine. But if I, like, Jess and I are like, you put a Plinko, like an actual Plinko board. I would bet on that. I would I'll, never I'll, leave I, that machine. I don't want to play a virtual Plinko board. No, I want to play Plinko. I want to hear it bouncing yeah. off those pegs. Yeah. yeah. Then maybe y'all should talk to someone who actually was a Price is Right contestant. <laughs> oh boy! Of course, maybe you are. I can fill you in on how to get those millennials how, uh, onto this podcast with you, my Price is Right experience. What game did you? What game did you play? I played Spelling Bee. If anyone's familiar with turning the different cards oh, to yeah. try to spell oh, out C A R, spoiler: yeah. I did not. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I do have a beautiful grandfather clock in my living room oh. that I won from Bob Barker, my not man. even Drew Carey. Oh, geez. Wow. There you go, baby. I like this. Wow. I like this a lot. These are Listen, we're going to drop new nuggets on this podcast moving forward. Learn something about, about yeah, Adam and, and every, every is, day. I'm liking here. this a whole lot. <laughs> Getting back to that, I, I, I would pay $10 to drop the Plinko thing, and I wouldn't even care if I only had two different slots to that double my money. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. care if you give me money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you yeah, just 20, let me interact yeah, yeah, through yeah, Gary, yeah. you can keep yeah, the money. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just want to play Plinko. I don't even care if you yeah. win money. I mean, there we go. Free, free advice. That's what you said. It'd almost be get, better listen, if they just turned into an of, arcade of, machine. We, we give a lot. What I feel like with this podcast, I do feel like we give a lot of good advice. On this. That was the very best advice we've ever given. Hire Drew Carey, put up a Plinko machine in your casino. Just charge $10 to play. Make all the money there is. Yeah, This is going to surpass penny slots in no time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> we just got to clone basically Drew Carey. I, I want to make sure we hit on one more thing. I don't know how much more time we have, but yeah. we should. Uh, I think yesterday when we heard uh, 
regulator from New Jersey, David Rebeck, uh, talk about uh, the New Jersey numbers for sports betting that are coming out on Friday. And he said, quote unquote, that they would be stunning. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what every, what we've talked a little bit about it. What, what is stunning? We know he's not uh, very, he's not prone to hyperbole either. No, most uh, of the time, we saw a hundred million. Oh, I was handle. about to say he had a way with words. He was like integrity fees yeah. or a red herring. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. well, I, I like red herring. We've got to use that yeah, more. Yeah. Uh, we saw a hundred million handle in August. So we're going to see the September numbers come out this week. What's, what would a stunning amount of money to be wagered in September, start of NFL season, start of college football season? What's a stunning amount to well, all of so us? So when you were out gallivanting all over the country yeah. and uh, we had a podcast with myself and Eric and Adam, we, I set the line at two ninety nine and a half, and they just blasted. Like, like we cleaned them out on the, the over. over. They could not crush the over so, fast enough. Yeah, so, 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 so we're stunning, all expecting so that. Is now so now, stunning has to be more than two ninety nine and a half. So, it, what do we? What do we? At this point, it would take five hundred million for me to be stunned. I'm expecting three hundred to three hundred and fifty million in handle. So, if he's going to stun me, to stun me, it's going to have to be five hundred million. I don't think we're going to get there. Stun you? Five hundred million would stun. Yeah, stun you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely stun. Because we're saying he's not prone to hyperbole, and the fact that he gave us that you know four day tease on what's coming with the numbers, if it's anything under three hundred, right? We're going to say yeah. David Reebok. I don't agree with your definition yeah. of stunning, sir. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here listening. I, I mentioned how what a great voice he had. That I would listen to this guy <laughs> like give me play by play. I think that he, everything was. But if he talked that up and then it comes in and we just hear like the sad two hundred thirty million, or, yeah. you know, whatever, then. Or, or since we're on the price, sorry. Dum, bum, bum, bum. I mean, we <laughs> so we'll keep with that. I mean, we can re- re- we can uh, reverse engineer this a little bit because the hundred million came with uh, mostly retail books, basically only DraftKings and a couple tail end for some of the month and no or football some other, season and no football season. Yeah. So that's a hundred million with a lot of things working against it. We now have eight retail books, eight mobile sports books uh, open for much of September, if not all of it, for a lot of them. Um, payment processing get a little better. We have a lot going on, plus the NFL season, plus college football season. Like now, yeah, now we're thinking like I mean, I think it's not unreasonable to think Handel in New Jersey will surpass Nevada, if not this year, uh, you know, definitely next year, and it could happen this year. Right, yes, over under four hundred. Under. She's going yeah, under. Probably the right side. Yeah, I'm good with under four. Under. I'll, uh, am I getting a better line for for <laughs> over? I guess no. that, uh, I'll go over. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be 473 million is going to be the handle. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I Just will so take you know. the over as well on 400 because again, wow, stunning. You're the guy who stunning. set the 300 line. I know, and now you're I mean, taking stunning, over on 400. I, I set what I thought was reasonable. Yeah. I was not setting a stunning line. I thought I, I set a reasonable line. So I, I think that stunning is certainly one thing. I think the one other thing we should talk about with Reebok before we get out of here is he he did at least vaguely start to allude to the fact that that they're. They're kind of fed up with 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 the illegal sports books. He is kind of like dancing around. He didn't necessarily come out and say like, "Hey, we're coming after them," and "Hey, we're going to shut them down" or whatever. But there was there was vague little mentions to the fact that he was not incredibly happy. With, he was also with, fed up with palpable errors. Yes, yes, yeah, that was, was interesting. You know, we that FanDuel situation that we've talked about before. We kind of assumed that was a PR solution that they paid out those tickets at full value. Not sure based on what Reebok said. It sounds like they had some conversations and. Regulators are not going to stand for those types of errors from based on the context of what he said, at least. And yeah. there was choice words there. He said, this is no safe haven, which yeah. I think was very much a shout out to like, listen, you willy nilly offshore sports books <laughs> yeah. in your safe haven yeah. countries. Like this isn't flying yeah. here and it's never going to. And I think he began this tack publicly, at least with Steve Ruddock, not that long ago. 
mean, he made pretty clear what the intentions were in a pretty extensive interview on LegalSportsReport.com. Yes. Please check it out if you yes. haven't seen it. <laughs> Do that. Uh, but but Steve got him to go deep on on a couple of these issues, and, and Offshore was one of them where he, he made pretty clear what his feelings were. Guys, this has been awesome. I really wish we could do this all the time. Can we I not? Enjoy, I enjoy the live. We can just get on Katina can you guys Jet just and fly, fly in. Yeah, yeah, we just get in, fly in, and we'll do this like weekly. Can you get this budget. into the budget? Yeah, like, can you get this <laughs> into the budget? I mean, I like this. I like everyone sitting around <laughs> and uh, being able to to do this live. And, I, do, and, I do like having a cocktail while we do yes, this. Yes, yeah. Is this not how it's like every time? No, no. There are no cocktails? I know, unfortunately. And it's over Skype, and we don't even get to look at each other. I mean, it's just it's something else. Maybe we'll start. We listen to Eric's dog squeaking his voice. Yeah, yeah, and, and stuff like that. But Adam and his voice really just powered on through. Really carries guy. us. Yeah, a really, really good voice right there. But uh, Jess Wellman, where can they find you on the Twitter machine? I am at Jess Wellman, one L, W-E-L-M-A-N. And you can find what I work on at Play Pennsylvania. We cover all the Pennsylvania news. We have Pennsylvania news coming out of G2E today. I've got something else dropping tomorrow, so check it out. And Bravo Network hot takes, right? And if you need me, I will be on the floor searching <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Peter okay, from Vanderpump. Yeah, yeah. Adam? <laughs> At the cleverly named Adam Candy, it's two E's instead of a Y. Dustin, no one knows how to spell your last name. Spell it out. Uh, Dustin, G-O-U-K-E-R on the Twitter And machine. Eric, we still have an underscore Ramsey. Yeah, we probably have an underscore Eric underscore Ramsey. I don't and have one on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram without the underscore. If there you, you want, go. But there you go. And I'm Aren't at you, I am only Eric yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, I know this guy with his things. <laughs> uh, and I'm at Matt Brown M2 again at Legal Sports Report. And at, oh, no, it's not even. It's at LS. Yeah, what is we got to get a new handle for that thing. Let's get an underscore in there or something. You've been saying we need a new handle. Let's get an underscore in there or something. Let's do this right. LegalSportsReport.com. OnlinePokerReport.com, TheLines.com, all the things like that for everything that we did here. Guys, this was fun. Thanks for being here. We'll be back next week with a full wrap of G2E 2018.